Well, good morning, Ascend. It is so good to see you all on today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is so uh, exciting to be with you here, uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, for those of you who are in the room and for those of you who are watching online, I'm so excited to just have this moment with you uh, as we keep going into our Christmas time, our Christmas season. Uh, before I get started, though, I need to make mention of just something. There's something, uh, when you sat down, there was something in your seat, and uh, it talks about our Christmas Eve services. Now, this gathering, we're less than a week away, and we are so excited for this. And it's no secret that we take it up a few notches during Christmas um, because we are filled with joy about celebrating together as a community this time of Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal, though. Over uh, the past couple of years, we know a few statistics. Uh, One of those statistics is that we understand that this will be a time when somebody tries church again. For the very first time, they're going to be stepping into the the church. Uh, Some of them are going to be for the first time. Some of them are going to be trying again, uh, coming as a church and coming or coming as a family and leaning into church again. Uh, the second statistic that we also know is that we don't typically do good at inviting. And that's not a cent. That's church world in general. So here's my encouragement to you. As you see those things on your seat, our Christmas Eve services at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Here's my nudge to you on this morning. Be sure to let somebody know about that. Invite somebody to church. And I say that to say, uh, this is a moment that I honestly, I know that it can actually take a lot of, out of us and think, well, we, it takes a lot to think through of like, oh, I want to put myself out there. Um, you can trust us with your invite. And I don't want you to put us to the test on that. All right. So invite somebody next week. And I'm looking forward to that. All right. Uh, before I get started, I am uh, not only preaching this morning, but I also have the awesome opportunity of just inviting us all into this moment of praying. And before I go into prayer, I think it's important for us to know uh, God's been really stirring something inside of me. And this, for the past couple of days, I've been here at 8 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m. For the past couple of days, Aisha texted me, when are you coming home? And I've just been kind of really leaning into this message and leaning into this Christmas story. And I say that to say, uh, this is New Testament writer by the name of Paul. Uh, he writes these words, he says these words, and he writes um, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then he goes on a little bit further in that passage, and he says, how will they hear unless a preacher is sent? Now, I don't say that this morning for accolades or to say that I'm on some sort of pedestal. I say that to say, when we look at that, we know that it's God's intention to communicate and to be with us as a community in the preached word of God. That it may be something that I say, it may be something that not even necessarily that I say, but it brings up something in you to connect with. So I encourage you this morning to just let your expectation, let your faith pull on God's presence because he desires and it is his intention to build us and equip us through the preached word of God. Would you pray with me? God, stand up in me. Speak through my lips, hide me behind your cross. May I decrease and may you increase. I pray in this moment, may your people hear a word from you. May your people, may us as a community lean in together and may you do something during our time together, whether it's through the worship, whether it's through this moment or whether it's afterwards, there is something that you long to do within us. Maybe not step into this moment casually, but we rise out, raise our expectation and our faith this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Christmas world, uh, this is a season that we are in called Advent season. It's this word that speaks to this idea of anticipation, uh, expectation, and even arrival, which begs the question, well, what are we expecting and what arrival is going to take place? We believe in the Christian world uh, that there was a first time that Jesus came to this world and shown us his love. 
And there will be a moment that he completes that entire kingdom mission and he will come and he will return again. So it's this idea of we are in this waiting, we're in this in-between. It's this, what scripture would call the already but not yet. And so we stand here in this moment recognizing that Jesus has come, but we're waiting for his return again. For our time together, I want to lean on that first time that Jesus entered this world. And not only that first time, but what can we learn from the people in that day that we can use for our time today? What can we learn from their waiting as they waited on God that we can use for our waiting? What can we learn from their longing for Jesus that can be the motivation for our longing for Jesus? It's something to be learned from those who were awaiting Jesus, expecting Jesus to come to the world. And I think not only is it the longing and the waiting, but what about their hope can be a motivation for our hope? That's the word I want to lean into today, that word hope. But during my sermon preparation time, as I, as I think through things and as I kind of ask myself questions, I ask questions that I would ask, and then I ask questions also that I think everyone would ask. And for me, as I was putting this together, I started thinking to myself, what hope am I talking about? What hope do we talk about during Christmas season um, that we lean into, that we keep ex- saying over and over again? Is it a hope that we see just all day long? I mean, we throw around the word loosely, right? So what hope am I talking about? Sometimes I think to myself, is, is it the hope that when a person goes for a job and they're waiting for their employer to call them back and they're hoping that they do that? For the person who didn't study their test and they sit down and they got to take that test and they're hoping to pass? Is that the hope that we're talking about? Is it the hope that we find in new movies sometimes? And the movies that we watch knowing that we already know what the ending's going to be, but yet we are hoping in the moment? I mean, how many Fast and Furious movies do we need to see before we know Dwayne The Rock Johnson's going to come and he's going to save the day? Like, is that the hope that we're talking about? Is it the hope that not only that we see in movies that we go over all the time, it, is it the hope that we see in music or that we hear in music? I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, there's going to be a moment during my week that I just need something to uplift my vibe. I, I need something that's going to help me out. I need something that's going to stir me up just a little bit. It's going to be that moment where I'm kind of going, kind of crashing a little bit. So for me, I just kind of turn on this music and I just start playing this right here for me right here. It's that song I play. This that song I play right There we go. There it is. There it is. Just something to uplift my vibe, right? Something to kind of pick me up. I'm excited about, like, this is it right here. Like, just give me a little swag, you know what I mean? Change my walk. And if it's not this one, maybe it's not that one. Maybe it's not that one. Maybe it's not that one. Maybe, for me, uh, I, I sometimes miss home, and I miss California. And so every now and then, I just kind of get in a moment, and I just got to play this song right here. That's my guy right here. There we go. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. California love, baby. California love. Now, you go ahead and cut it. You go ahead and cut it. You can go ahead and cut it. No, nobody, nobody playing that music. Nobody playing that music. Wilson, I know, come on. I know you got California love, baby. Now, I got to be honest with you. Can I make a confession? I got to make a confession to you. A confession that I have is, as I was preparing this message, and I started looking stuff up on my playlist, I started going around and asking some of my white colleagues, what would also be another song that I could play <laughs> that I think everybody else would resonate with? Because that's probably not on their playlist. And then I came up with this song right here. Maybe this, came, this came to mind as I took a poll. Uh-oh, come on. Now we gotta wait for the beat drop. We gotta just wait, just sit there. Okay, 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 all right, all right, all right. I don't even know what I'm doing. I just fist pump. Um, is that the hope that we're talking about this morning? The hope that we find in movies, the hope that we find in music. I think it, 
is important. It's a very fine distinction. What do we talk about or what do we mean when we say hope? What is that hope? Not only what is that hope, if we take it a little step further, where is hope? Right? As we take a poll and look at our world, I think the question that sometimes can come up is hope? Where? I took a moment to start looking at a few statistics and some things that brought a moment of pause. 1.4 billion people live on less than a dollar a day in our world. 41 million people this year will die from preventable diseases. Thousands of children will be in foster care with very little to no hope of finding parents. Where is hope? I'm sure there's many more statistics, but even if we look at our own worlds, if we bring it to our own doorstep, holidays can be sometimes full of cheer, but there also can be a moment that marks a moment of loss. A moment where we see statistically that the increase in rates as it relates to depression and anxiety. Hope? Where is hope? Where is hope when we look at the statistics in our world and things become more of a mess in our world than it does hope? Like if we look at things, it's more of a look at this mess that's going on in our world. Not so much hope. Some of us in this room, we know that this is a tough time in our year. That hope, sometimes, if we're honest, we don't see that when we look at our marriages. It feels like more like we're forced roommates that's just kind of trying to make it work. Where is hope? Maurice, I hear you talking about hope this morning, but where is hope? Because I look at my financial situation and it feels like I'll never get from underneath this rock. I don't see any sort of upward mobility in my life. Hope, where is hope? Maurice, there's some things going on in my world that you may not even know about, but I don't categorize it as hope. I mean, let's be honest, there's many people in our room this morning that this time of year marks a moment of loss for them when it comes to their homes. There's people in this room that people that was at the dinner table last year aren't at the dinner table this year. Hope? We can't just throw around hope in a cheesy, soft, surface way because if we're going to say that this is a hope of the world and Jesus is hope, I, I don't need the hope that's in music. I don't need the hope that's in Backstreet Boys. I don't need the hope that's in mu these movies that I'm talking about. Where is hope? Because when I look at my world, I don't see hope. Life is a mess. And for many of us, we step back and we just look at mess after mess after mess and sometimes it paralyzes us. Sometimes we don't want to move forward when we look at the things that we're facing, when we know even maybe it's not our uh, situation and our mess, but our friends that's going through something right now. What hope are we talking about? Today, this is what I want to unpack for us. And I don't do so in a very trivial way. I, I lean into this topic because we say hope, we see it in our movies, we throw around the term. Um, but if we're not careful, what did the hope that the people in the biblical times have that we can hold on to? Because if it was a hope that sustained them during hardship and despair, maybe it's a hope that I can hold on to in my moments of despair. Today, I want to come from this particular topic. If I were to take a topic to preach from this morning, it would be hope found in a messy situation. Hope found 
in a messy situation. I want to lean into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 this morning. It is one that if you're in church world, even if you're not, you may have come across. And I want to read it in your hearing. It says, Isaiah, uh, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, I read that this morning because uh, I come from a churchy background. and Y'all know this. And sometimes where I come from, all you need to say is the first couple of words in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. That's all you need to say. Everybody already knows the rest of the passage, and it is hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And everybody's already in a joyful place. But I want to shed light on some of this context this morning of when Isaiah is writing these words. Because if we kind of leave it in this sort of, this sort of fancy, sort of Christmas-y Christmas sort of feel, I think we can miss the depth of the message of when Isaiah's writing. Because for us, we look at it and we're reading it and we kind of put it, you know, in a plaque for unto us a child is born. And we go through Hobby Lobby and we, put, we find it and we put it on our walls and we're excited. about For unto us a child is born. And then we think about that sweet baby and then we got the nativity scene. It brings a smile to our face. But when this was written, Isaiah didn't have Christmas music playing in the background. He wasn't drinking eggnog by a fire there was moments of despair that he was facing. And what is the hope that Isaiah had as he waited for Jesus that we can have today? To shed a little context on when Isaiah is writing, the time of Isaiah is marked by suffering, violence, greed, sin, to say the least. Isaiah writes this, and this is 700 years before Jesus comes. I want you to think about that for a moment. This is 700 years before Jesus comes. Isaiah is speaking to a, what the Bible calls a remnant of Israel. Uh, the people who they're looking at now is not who they started with. Uh, they've gone through so much of exile and moving from place to place and losing their land and all sorts of different things. Isaiah speaks to the children of Israel in this moment who are in captivity. King after king has failed them, and Isaiah is writing this as he is knowing, has knowledge of the Assyrian army, thousands of people coming for this remnant to overtake them, to oppress them, to overthrow them. Isaiah is writing from a backdrop of a very dark scene. I say this because when we look at our life, there's some mess that's taking place and I think we can start to lose hope. And it's hard for us to move forward in life when we start to lose hope. The mess that I want to talk about this morning, I would characterize it by the brokenness and sin in our world. Mess, when I say that, is the brokenness and sin in our world. Now, I want to let up off the gas just a little bit, bring a little bit of moment of relief here, just to say that uh, to in this moment, in this season, I have these presents up here because um, I want to detail for us. I want to kind of give us a visual 
of the moment that Isaiah is writing in. So um, nobody knows this is going to happen. We don't usually do this here at Ascent, but I kind of like moving us out of our comfort zone a little bit. So if you could help me unwrap these gifts, you want to help me? Is that all right with you? All right, he doesn't even know. He's like, what? You want to help me? If you come on, I want to help uh, unwrap these. You want to help me unwrap these gifts? Perfect. Come on up here. Okay, so they're going to unwrap. Hold on, don't unwrap just yet. Because as I was thinking about this, there's one person that I pray for every year during Christmas time because I uh, say things that I don't like. It's the person with the Christmas bag, I mean, this trash bag. If you're the person that carries the trash bag, I don't like you. I just want to just let you know right now. You guys go ahead and start unwrapping. Just go ahead and start unwrapping. Throw it all on the ground. The person that stands next to me, my sister, if you're watching this, uh, and you do this immediately, I don't like you. Like, if you're the person that's just standing here, go ahead, keep unwrapping. Just keep unwrapping. And you stand next to me, and you pick up all of my mess. You don't let me see any of the stuff that I just did. Like, there's, look at this. Like, this is not what I want. You guys go ahead, keep unwrapping. I want this, okay? This is, shows me progress right here, okay? So all you people who are super neat, you just need something to feel good of everything is just picked up. I don't, I don't like it, all right? You don't have to open the boxes. Just go ahead and leave the boxes there. Give it up. Give me a hand for these impromptu volunteers. <laughs> Thank y'all. Appreciate you. Like this mess that we have here is what I want to detail for us. I know Isaiah's writing. And he's writing in a moment where things are messy. And I'm going to come back to this place in just a second. But for us to know this morning, why I think it's important for us to know Scripture, for us to look at the biblical times of what people were hoping and putting their weight on, putting their faith in, I believe it encourages us during our moments of hardship, during our moments of it feels like we can't make it through. To say the least, Isaiah is writing in Isaiah chapter 9, and what he writes is that things are messy. Things are marked by the mess of his world. What can we learn from Isaiah? One of the things that I believe Isaiah teaches us as he's writing in this moment is that he's writing about a future hope. Excuse me. He's writing about a future promise but he's in need of a present hope. He's writing about a future promise, but he's in need of a present hope. I think some of us, we sit in the same situation where we look at things, uh, we hear people of faith and they talk about these promises and then they look at their situation and it's like, I need hope right now. I hear your promise, but where's hope? One of the things that Isaiah teaches us is hope when we look at scripture is a subversive hope. It's not a hope that is anchored in the outcome. Remember what I said, Isaiah is writing and Jesus does not come until 700 years later. If we're not careful, we can think that hope is just like optimism, that it's this expectancy that for a potential outcome to happen. Now, don't get me wrong, having faith for a better time is awesome. But when Isaiah is writing about hope, he's not doing so to say all things are going to get better. Hope in Scripture does not tell us that everything in your world is going to be better. Everything in your world is going to have a good time. Everything in your world is going to be blessing. Be careful when you talk about Scripture 
through a westernized lens. If your Jesus is not portable, I don't know if you're talking about Jesus. What do I mean by that? You can't go to the slums of India and say everything is going to get better. You can't go to certain parts of our world and look at them and say, don't worry, everything is going to be better in your situation. Something's going to change in your situation. We can't look at the people who have been victims of human trafficking and say, don't worry, we know for sure that it's going to be better on this earth. Isaiah is writing and he's bringing a subversive hope to say that it is not found in the outcome. We believe that hope is a person. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily bring immediate relief. I get it, I know. But when we recognize that hope is a person that we can sit in the midst of our situation and say, I understand that things are going wrong and this is trash and this is messy and things are all wrong, but we say that we have a God who has come near to us. The blessing message of Jesus Christ is not that he is some genie in a bottle that changes all circumstances. It's that he saw us and saw fit that we were worthy and said that we are image bearers of God and he stepped in the mess with us. Jesus didn't step back and just say, I love you from afar. My bad, Josue. Oops. Sorry, that's his, that's his saxophone. My bad. <laughs> he didn't just say from a distance, I love you, while he looked at our mess. He didn't just look at the despair and the loss of life in our world. He didn't just look at the things that we're going through. He didn't just look at all of our situations and say, I love you. God doesn't just love us. He likes us. But let's just focus on love for a moment because love, when you say something about love, there's a proximity to love. And when Jesus says that For he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Emmanuel. It was that Jesus stepped in the mess with us. And for this morning, that's encouraging for somebody. For for this morning, that's encouraging for all of us. Because it's not so much, how do I make it to next week? Some of us in this room are wondering, Maurice, I need hope for today. Isaiah teaches us about a subversive hope. But not only does he teach us about a subversive hope, he teaches us about a strange hope. A strange hope. Hope does not deny reality. It does not dismiss suffering. The power of hope does, however, remind us that our identity is not in what I'm facing. My identity is not in the struggles that I go through, the addictions that I'm facing the alcohol that I can't get over, this thing that I can't stop watching. It's not found in my, our identity is not found in the mess that we're facing and that we're in the midst of. The strange hope, one commentator puts a, uh, that it is a strange teacher. Hope is a strange teacher. It teaches us that although we're in the midst of a messy situation, that the hope of the Christmas message tells us that hope is found in a person. And because it is in a person, my identity and who I am, made in God's image, the value of me is not in my circumstances. It's not in my possessions. It's not in my talents. It's not in how much money I have. It's not in my reputation. It's not in my status or lack thereof. It is found in Jesus. 
And some of us this morning, uh, not to say that it's a bad thing, but we wrap ourselves up in the things that's around us. And too much of our identity and, and too much of who we are is found in the mess that we're facing. And the strange teacher that hope brings us is that there's going to be people that we love. There's going to be things that we love in this world, which is totally fine. But people and things were never, meant to des- were never designed to be the hope or to hold the hope of your world. People are fine. Friendships are fine. Your spouse is awesome. Your children are awesome. Awesome. The car that you love to drive, the, the, the possessions that you have, it's okay to have those. That's totally fine. But what hope tells us is that if you're not careful, that you can put your anchor and your weight on those things. And God is saying what hope teaches us in the Bible is this sort of weird sort of um, situation that uh, pushes us to let us know that God is enough. It, It pushes us to this place where sometimes we suffer loss and yet God is holding us in the midst of that to say that that was never meant for your hope to be in that. It was never meant for your hope to be in that relationship. It was never meant for your hope to be in that possession that you have. It's okay to have those things, but God holds us in the midst of it to say, uh, I'll be here when those things are here. I'll be here when those things are gone uh, because the hope of Christ is eternal. And when Jesus steps on the scene, we recognize that that is the hope that the world was longing for. I think this is important for us to know that the mess that we face is not just something that we talk about lightly. The messy situation. I say this because um, when we look at the mess, when we're looking at all these things that's happening around us, I want to be very clear. Remember I said mess is characterized and described as brokenness and sin in our world, right? Uh, But I want to be very clear. Um, It's not only external mess. It's not only mess that's over there. When we look at the statistics that I just read, and some of us, we have no sort of proximity to those statistics, The mess that we see in Scripture is not only a sin and brokenness that's in our world, but it's a sin and brokenness that's within us. Let me pause just for a moment because I think sometimes this gets a little uh, wonky and people kind of take this in a very different direction. Uh, You are wonderfully and beautifully made, made in God's image, worthy of his love that he came so much that he died for you to pursue you and to show you that you matter to him, that he longs for a relationship with you. Don't let that be the thing, though, that you now build a identity that you are now God. I say it all the time. Excuse my language. You make for a sucky God. You are not the creator of this world. Yes, you are made in God's image, and you are worthy, and you have innate value. We preach that gospel, but don't get it twisted. You are broken, excuse me, wounded. There is a sin in our world that we recognize that has to be something that we talk about. So I don't just talk about it in the sense of a mess that is external. And I know I ain't gonna get no amens right there because when we start talking about our own sin, then we start shutting up a little bit. I get it, it's all good. But why do I bring that up? Because there's a little bit of relief that comes when I think about that. There's a relief that I recognize that um, the mess that I see, um, everybody got mess. 
Uh, okay, let, let me detail it for you. Tall people got mess. Short people got mess. Black people got mess. White people got mess. Uh, let's go here. Let's go. Uh, uh, let's, uh, Broncos fans got mess. Uh-oh, sorry. I'm stepping on toes. Raiders fans got mess. That was for you, Wilson. Everybody has mess. The person sitting next to you, don't look at them, keep looking at me. They got mess. Your friends have mess. Uh oh, I'm gonna step on your toes just because it is who I am. Democrats got mess. Lord knows Republicans got mess. We all have mess. Before you start clapping or getting too excited about somebody else's mess, you need to recognize that the cross is a leveling ground for every single one of us. We all have mess. And just because I feel a little bit in the room, we don't worship no donkey nor an elephant. We worship the Lamb of God. And we recognize that it is Jesus Christ. Go ahead and say amen right there. It's all good. We recognize that it is Jesus Christ who is our hope. We don't put our hope in any other things. And so when I say these things, it is to let us know that we all have mess. Welcome to Ascent Community Church, the church of mess. Your house got mess. Your children got mess. The church down the street got mess. The city got mess. The mayor got mess. Everybody is messy. Everybody has mess. This is the thing that points us to a God who says, I stepped right into that messy situation to say that sin no longer has the final say. Mess doesn't have the final say. I know you're suffering and having things that you're going through, and that doesn't have the final say. King Jesus has the final say. And the messy things that we face, external and internal, don't think too high and mighty of yourself because we all got mess. We sit next to people and we begin to put our trust into things and all these other things. That's fine. I know it's human nature sometimes for us to do, but our hope that we talk about in this season is found in a person. Isaiah goes on to confirm this in Isaiah 46 verse 4. He says these words, God is saying, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. God is confirming to us and letting us know that it is he who we should put our hope into. And the messy situations that we find ourselves in, as Isaiah is writing and knowing that mess is approaching him, knowing that there's mess that they're facing as they drifted away from a relationship with God, that's some of us in this room. That's many of us in this room. For us to know that the mess that we have is not foreign to God. But I love it that not only does darkness not discriminate, the mess of our world does not discriminate, the light of Jesus Christ does not discriminate. And he is the light of the world. So what does that mean for us? Two simple things. That the hope that can be found in today, the hope for today, is often found in yesterday. I want you to take these things home. The hope for today is often found in yesterday. What do I mean by that when I say those words? There's things that take place in our world. There's things that, um, if I'm honest, just even this past week, um, there's things that you can see on social media. You can see that it's happening in other people's life. And there's some things that um, don't hit close to home at all. And there's some things that start to wreck you a little bit. And that happened this week for me and Aisha. We were just kind of sitting back and kind of talking through uh, some of the things um, in particular that we saw and that's taking place. And that kind of hit close to home and, and kind of struck a chord with us. But, but I say that 
to say that sometimes the hope that we need today is found in yesterday. We don't do enough reflecting and moments of pause to look back. It's in this moment, Isaiah begins to write in the entire book of Isaiah, he also talks about, Lord, when you brought us out of Egypt. He says these words because he's leaning on a hope of yesterday for a hope for today. And I say that because as we stand in the midst of our mess and our messy situation, I think from this place, if we're going this direction, every now and then we got to turn around and look at where God showed up. And in that relationship where God did it over there and I thought that relationship was going to take me out. And then that loss, I thought I wasn't going to make it past that particular loss in my life and yet God showed up. And I didn't think that I was going to get that job over there. And now I have a job that I'm not even qualified for, but God brought me through. And I didn't think over there that I was going to get to college and maybe go through college. But now I have my degree. I didn't get all A's, but C's the degrees. But, but God brought me through. And so God did it there. And God did it there. And that suffering that I faced over there, I, I thought in that moment that there was no way for me to keep moving. And yet God did it there. There's some moments in our life for the hope for today. I think there's some moments where we need to turn around and say, God did it. God did it. And one artist puts it this way, that if he did it before, maybe, just maybe, he can do it again. The hope for today is sometimes found in yesterday. My encouragement for you this week, just take one moment, two minutes, each week to think about where did God show up in my life? Where was those moments that God pulled me through? What was those moments in my life that I can turn around and give praise, maybe not for today's situation, but for yesterday's? And because he was faithful there, I can hold on to that faith for today. Hope for today is sometimes found in yesterday. I'll end here to say, let us know uh, our very last application is Hope is not only found in yesterday, but sometimes hope is found when we give it away. Hope for today can be found when we give it away. I want to read a passage for you. It's these words, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul writes these words and he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in this context uh, what some uh, writers and commentators would write uh, and say that this word is a bi-directional word. It's Paul speaking to the Romans, but asking God to do it. It has a multi-directional situation. And I encourage you that this week, maybe that week for you to do that. I want to push you to encourage you to say, um, take that word. And may you take that word, and as you speak it to someone else, I'm encouraging you and I'm praying that God would fill you with hope. That in this moment, as you are giving hope, as you are speaking a blessing of hope over someone, may you do the same. I was with, uh, talking with my wife uh, not too long ago, and uh, she was actually going somewhere and visiting this place. And um, 
she had to go and she had to uh, kind of do this presentation that she was kind of thinking about. She was in her mind and she didn't know what she was going to do. She felt like it was going to uh, fail and she wasn't good at it. She's a substitute teacher in local schools and she had to present something. And before she left, I just gave her a little bit of nudge, just kind of let her know, Lord, Lord I mean, uh, Aisha, may God be with you in this. And may you be filled with God's hope and trust. And may you walk in your anointing. May you walk in the gift that God has given you. I'm speaking to Aisha, but I'm asking God to do it. Sometimes the hope that we need is sometimes found when we give it away to others. So I ask this morning, uh, as we look at some of the mess of our situations, the mess of our world, as people sometimes will conclude that things are just dark, I'm wondering, as a community of people who follow after Jesus, have you given away hope? That coworker that's been talking about how tough life is, have you given away hope? The places you find your feet going, whether it's a PTA meeting, whether it's coaching a little league game, have you given away hope? The stories and narratives that come your way that you hear about and man, that person is going through a very difficult time. Have you given away hope? Because it's sometimes in us giving it away that we begin to experience the hope of God ourselves. And that's my prayer for us this morning. I'm going to read Romans 15. And as I'm praying it over us, I'm asking God to do it. And it's something so simple and also special that we get to engage in. Because it's not you. It's not your reputation that's accountable. It's God. And it's us trusting God to say that you are the God of hope. And in this moment, we speak that blessing. So my prayer is simple. As I read Romans 15, would you bow your heads with me? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.